Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we are dissecting and exploring and trying to understand and get out in front of this digital revolution that is changing every facet of our world quite rapidly, quite profoundly. Here in late October, as uh, we get ready to head into the home stretch of 2020, there's been a lot that's gone on this year, a lot that's certain to happen next year that's unexpected and should be very interesting. And one of our monthly guests who's always good at taking a peek around the corner into the future is Sean Amirati. Uh, Sean is a professor in the business school at Carnegie Mellon. He's a venture capitalist, a serial entrepreneur himself. He's an author and also a podcaster. Sean, thanks a million for being back. Always good to see you. Oh, it's great to be here. So, Sean, uh, there's a few things going on in the world that I think are a little bit crazy. Um, and we've been talking about some crazy things lately. Oracle TikTok is, you know, do, do you buy customers now and how that goes? But uh, one that's interesting, right, over the last uh, four or five days, a very uh, relatively small $4 billion in revenue. So I don't mean it is small, relatively small company in the cloud world's top 10 called ServiceNow uh, at the end of the first year of sort of a really reinvigorated year from their new CEO, Bill McDermott, got together with IBM, which is about 115 years old, $75 billion in revenue, one of the best known companies in the world. And they got together in an AI deal to help infuse some of IBM's AI technology into ServiceNow's service management tools. So very interesting, I think a good combo for those companies. But I would say there's not a whole, whole lot of people outside of the tech industry who know about ServiceNow. You know, right. terrific company, definitely high flyer. Most people, I think, who know anything about technology, and even a lot of people who don't know about IBM. But uh, as of this morning, the, uh, the market cap for ServiceNow is just over $100 billion. And the market cap for IBM is $104 billion. Yep. And I know that you know market caps are fluid things. They go up and down, in and out, and they might mean a lot. It might mean a little. But I just thought, Sean, that uh, that is telling us something. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think it's telling us a, a lot of things. I think one thing that it's telling us is, uh, you know, this is this is, I should say up front, like I, I'm a fairly passive public market investor myself. I'm I'm not really big on on stock picking. I do think there's a lot of leadership and business lessons from the stock market that are interesting to comment on, but uh, nothing I say should be construed as financial advice. There are people who are paid to do that. But I do think what you see with the markets right now is the, the markets continue to go up even as the economy at large is, is I think still trying to find its sea legs here. And I think that what you're seeing is, you know, the markets are always about future profits, not today's profits, but it feels like that has significantly accelerated uh, over these last nine months. There, there seems a lot more focus than there ever has been before on, you know, the, the where the world's heading and and that that future cash flow from these businesses. And so I think that's where you're seeing some of these companies where it's like, wow, from a from a revenue perspective, that doesn't you know, these two businesses, it doesn't seem like they're getting the same premium on today's revenue. Well, I think the markets in general are, are really looking much further out into the future. And I think 
ServiceNow, and we talked about this when when Bill took that job, right? It's a it's a very interestingly positioned company for the future of enterprise tech. Certainly doesn't have the brand recognition that IBM does. If I were on the leadership team at ServiceNow, that's something that I think they should be thinking hard about. It's probably some time for some some uh, kind of thought leadership branding in the same way that I mean nobody is. I, Honestly, IBM in the tech space is very, very good at that. They, they have their own challenges, but they've a long history, as you know, Bob, of doing a great job giving us these, these handles that can help us understand technology. I think ServiceNow would benefit from that. But when you just think about where the market's heading and the places that ServiceNow plays in, I think that's the first part of it. The other part of it that I think is another interesting lesson here is the market is really valuing the, the, there's a real premium on leadership teams and particularly on CEOs right now. And uh, coming from a storied company like SAP where Bill did a really good job there, I think pr pretty much it's a, just that sort of just fact, or at least on, on Wall Street, that's just fact, right? I think there's a real premium being placed on him as the CEO and, and confidence in, in the sort of CEO premium that you're seeing right now. And uh, you see that in a, in a lot of these companies because um, what we're experiencing, right, is that uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and doubt in the economy in general right now. And leaders have never been more important. And I think from a Wall Street perspective, again, which is maybe different than Main Street, but from a Wall Street perspective, uh, you see that reflected in the premium you're, that is being placed on, on some of these public company CEOs right now. Sean, thanks for that perspective and, the, uh, you know, and understood your disclaimer about not an investment advisor, but these numbers are just so, uh, well, I, you know, the headline I put on this morning, I called it market cap madness. And I intentionally do that knowing that it isn't all about, the numbers are nutty. And then if you look underneath them, why is this happening? What's going on? As you just described, you know, it's, it's making a lot of sense. And I think, uh, ServiceNow's stock price has, uh, if not doubled, it's very close to doubling in the year that McDermott's been there. So to your point about the leadership issue, you know, Sean, I thought one of the fascinating things about this was uh, through this deal, one of the things that IBM gets is uh, sort of a glow with one of the shiniest of all the shiny objects out in the marketplace today. And they get uh, a real live practical and I think, you know, uh, high value use case that they can connect to Watson, which I don't sure. think has a whole lot of those in its pocket to, to pull out right now. And then for ServiceNow, they get access a little bit, Sean, in that way of what you talked about last episode about network effects, right? And I know it's not exactly the, the, the in the context of which you mentioned it before, but all of a sudden now ServiceNow has access to the IBM account base. And right. these partnerships that are taking place now are allowing these, uh, these levels of scale for relatively small companies going in one direction. And then the exposure that IBM gets is maybe taking some of its pretty cool stuff and tying it in with somebody else's pretty cool stuff to give it a bit of a glow. So the, these partnerships that we're seeing these days, I think are, are, are fascinating. And I think we're gonna see more of these outside uh, the precedent that's always existed in the tech industry. Yeah, I, I mean, again, Bill's a great CEO. He doesn't need uh, advice from uh, uh, 
you know, a VC and, and business school professor, but I'll give them some more free advice because, uh, so I think one is like, do that, do that branding campaign, right? Like people need to know service now that the, the brand recognition is just not where it needs to be. And I think there's, there's thought leadership opportunities there that are quite compelling. The other thing is let's be realistic. That's, that is, that stock is great currency he has right now. And he, he should go play offense. If, if, if he's not thinking about the companies that he can go acquire with the, with the, the relatively uh, highly valued stock that he's got uh, right now, that he's, he's, he's not doing this right. There, you know, ties up, tying things up with IBM makes a ton of sense. Um, but there are, there's a real opportunity, I think, for him to accelerate the vision that he laid out, which we talked about, I guess, almost a year ago now when he joined, right? And it was, it was pretty exciting, actually, at the time. But there's a real opportunity to not only build that, but also to, to buy and accelerate his way into that. And he's got, he's got a, he can give up a much smaller percentage of service now doing that today, given the premium that his, his stock has has uh, appreciated over the last year. And, and as you put it, the, the market cap madness that he's dealing with right now. And I think you're, you, you know, you've seen other people in the tech space do that well uh, when, they're, when their stocks have had these pops. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a real opportunity for ServiceNow right now. Yeah, Sean, you know, uh, one of the things that, the other things that Bill McDermott did when he went over to ServiceNow, he said, we're gonna focus on some uh, vertical industries or industry specific opportunities that he knew well from his time at SAP. And I think in the larger sense, it isn't just he's taking the SAP playbook and rolling it into service now, but the times are calling for more of this sort of thing. So I wanted to ask you broadly about this new wave of, uh, you know, what are being called industry specific solutions, you know, from, and the, the companies that are putting these up, right? It's, it is breaking down some of the boundaries where, in the past, they think everybody, you know, get in your place, know your place and don't stray from that place, right? If you make infrastructure, go to infrastructure and leave the apps to other people. Well, Google Cloud and Thomas Curran really kicked open the door to this industry specific thing using tons of AI and ML. Well, they're an infrastructure guy, aren't they? And then you see SAP jumping in with the industry cloud saying, no, we're the apps provider. Microsoft's doing some of it. I even think uh, uh, Amazon, this very interesting deal they did with Carrier, um, it, it came as close as anything I've seen from Amazon of sort of tiptoeing up to get into this solution space where they're tying their IT expertise with Carrier's uh, operational technology expertise. So what I wanted to ask you about on this is, I think we're seeing a point at which a lot of these companies are sort of shedding their old skins, these cloud providers and saying, I can be more than what I've been in the past because the opportunities now are so big and broad and wide open. And because it's what their customers want, yeah. right? Like customers don't think about, uh, they don't think about markets the way the cloud technology providers have talked about them. You know, what CEO on the golf course at Augusta is saying, you know, I, I really need to fix my cloud infrastructure, but I don't really care as much about my ERP solution. It's much more about the cloud infrastructure. Right? And I think that is a very technology myopic way to look at these markets, right? And what you're seeing is, and I think to your point on, on TK, right? Like what you're seeing is when guys come in who are obsessed about customers, what customers, all of a sudden, you know, you can call it 
shedding. But I mean, to me, it's, it's even more just like the blinders come off and it's like, oh, well, well, you know, this becomes pretty 101. Let's figure out what customers want and let's give it to them. And what customers want is they want solutions and they want solutions for the businesses that they're in and the industries that they operate in. And I think you, you see that across each of the companies that you mentioned. I think the Amazon thing is interesting because, um, you know, I continue to maintain, we're getting to the end of the year and this prediction is looking not great, but I continue to maintain that, uh, that there's insanity in Washington state if Amazon does not spin AWS. I mean, I just had a, another call this week with a, a, a small, just hundred million dollar, but a, a small cloud company. And, and, you know, they're taking, even that their that group is taking market share away from my, from Amazon by saying, do you really want to fund your competitors? Like that, that business is worth significantly more unshackled from the rest of Amazon. But, um, but anyways, I think this coming back to, to your question, like this point is um, absolutely that it's, it's, I think, the next step in this digital transformation, this cloud transformation, whatever you want to call it. But, but it's because what's happening is the people who are leading these organizations are doing the, the basic blocking and tackling that they should be, which is they're moving out of these conversations, IT director to, to vendor, and they're, they're, they're stepping up a level and it's C-suite to peer, right? And when, they, when you talk at that level, they don't talk about the tech stack or the, they talk about the problems they have and the solutions to those. And those solutions are, they're more verticalized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sean, it's interesting too. If you look at this, you got Thomas Curran, who you just were mentioning, going from Oracle, a legacy company over to Google. You get Bill McDermott going from SAP, a legacy company over to ServiceNow. And as you said, sort of shaking things up getting that outside in view of what customers want and need. And then uh, one of my other sort of uh, favorite here, you know, cliches and all of this or how, you know, some people tend to pigeonhole folks, Larry Ellison comes in and he takes sort of a totally different view, right? Like you were saying, Sean, about this. And I think we're seeing, thank goodness, a deconstruction of the tech industry led market segmentation of, you know, there's, uh, infrastructure service platform as a service software as a service and uh, Larry has just pretty much bulldozed that and he said nah he said nobody's specifically putting money out saying I want to buy platform stuff he said right. they want to buy apps or they want to buy infrastructure so he just collapsed a platform thing never said that just stop talking about it he took all his platform stuff including one of the most valuable franchises in the world the oracle database plopped it in infrastructure and just said hey there's the new game these are the new rules here we go because people want this and they want this so i just think this has been wildly refreshing and um sean if i could babble on one more second here i'd say you know it was interesting when i really started getting into the uh you know creating stuff with cloud wars and especially the cloud wars top 10 people would say no 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 you can't do that you can't compare a SaaS company with an infrastructure company with, you know, all this stuff. And I said, well, if you look at it from the point of view of the customers, they care about which company is going to be most helpful to them, not which one inside the bubble has, you know, uh, more of this or that four letter acronym. So I just think this is such a welcome change. It's really going to be great for business. And I think it's giving confidence to the customers that this cloud stuff's okay. Cause we got actually some, uh, you know, some wise leaders directing this in, in the right ways now. I think that's exactly right. Uh, you know, maybe to, to give people an easy analog to think about this, right? 
you know, when you think about your home and, and how your home has become more digital, you don't really think about it as like, oh, you know, what's this component? I've got to, you know, I got to think about my home digital security system and I got to think about my home digital assistant system and I got to think about my cell phone and the wearables that it, right? Like we don't tend to think about that way. We tend to think about it's like, what's the ecosystem I'm going to tap into, right? So, you know, am I going to be running on top of the Alexa platform? Am I going to be running on top of sort of, am I going to use all the different Apple devices, right? And we have, we have phrases to describe these things, right? Even non-technical people like, oh, you know, I'm an Apple fanboy or whatever. But what's that really a proxy for? That's a proxy for, okay, I'm going to use Apple wearables, Apple, Apple home devices, Apple cell phones, right? I'm just, I'm Apple TV. I'm going to sort of just use their whole, their whole platform. And so I think the way to think about it is not like, oh, who owns the home security market? Although that would be kind of historically how we've done it. It's like more what tech company has share of home, like what percentage of home goes to Amazon versus Apple. And I think you're going to see the same thing happen in the cloud space, right? It's, it's not going to be like, well, you know, who has the share of infrastructure? It's like, well, what, what percentage of the digitization problems that I have in my business am I trusting ServiceNow to solve? Am I trusting Oracle to solve? Am I trusting Google to solve, right? And I, I think it's unlikely to be 100% in any of those buckets, but what you're gonna see is areas where it's seemed in the past that there were clear you know, territory markings are gonna get very, very blurry in 2021. Sean, that is, a, that is a great point. I wanna come back to that in just a second, but first we wanna present a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets where automation is paramount yet effortless and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. Yeah, Sean, that's a great way to put it. Um, and I, I, again, I, I think this is such a welcome business-oriented change and moving farther away from the really, the, as you put it, the blinders and the constricted view of things that the tech industry, industry tends to have in the early days when it is maker driven instead yes. of customer driven. Um, Sean, there's one other, uh, you know, interesting thing, you know, from this week that I wanted to ask you about before, then I hope if you'll have a chance to chat a little bit about your uh, corporate startup lab event. Um, two, three, maybe it was four months ago, but Amazon launched a new division within AWS for uh, space and satellite technology. Pretty, pretty interesting. You know, the way that they got out front was pretty cool. So yesterday, Microsoft gets into that th same thing, the space market. And I felt that the, the way Microsoft introduces some of the language they use, both some of the, the detail that they went into, I think what they were trying to say was, huh, Amazon might have got there first, but we're going to get their best, biggest. They were really out trying to say, this is big, this is broad, this is end to end. So um, I just wanted to, if you had seen much about this and you know what you think about this, uh, it's sort of the, the, the space race two coming along here. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, space is interesting frontier tech, right? Like it, there's just, it, it's clear that, um, that it's, 
it's an area that a lot of the, first of all, it's an area that a lot of the people leading a lot of the large tech companies, especially newer tech companies, care a lot about Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all of that, right? So you have people who care a lot about it, which which I think is just mind share in the boardroom. I think there is some some brand value to it. And I think it is potentially a, a, a massive market, although certainly a Horizon 3 market to be fair right now, right? I don't, I don't suspect any of them are expecting uh, it to change their earnings in the next uh, couple quarters, what happens in space tech. But, but I think um, going back to this, hey, Wall Street's valuing the future more than they ever have before, right? You, you can make interesting cases that although it's Horizon 3, if it ever becomes Horizon 1, it becomes a, a meaningful part of these businesses quickly because there's a, there's a large opportunity there. So I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I also think that frankly, from a talent perspective, it's a thing that a lot of the, the talent that those companies are trying to recruit care a lot about. Uh, one of the interesting proxies that I spend a lot of attention at Carnegie Mellon is when I spend time with different students and different programs at CMU, I always try to get a sense like what's the company that all other things being equal, you know, the students would go work for them versus any of the other companies. And it's, it's fascinating to watch over time how companies have come in and out of favor on those lists, right? So it wasn't that long ago that a job at Facebook was like a dream job. Um, we certainly still send plenty of students to, to Facebook, so I want to be careful here, but it is not the, it is not the dream job that it once was, right? Like the, the concept of going to work for Facebook uh, is not what it, what it once, what it once was. Um, and this is just a data point of one, but I had one student tell me that he felt like going to work for Facebook today would be like going to work for Philip Morris, right? Which is, I think, an extreme, but it's a, it gives you a sense like how some of these brands that were once pristine aren't quite as pristine anymore. Uh, you're certainly seeing a bunch of interesting things there, but, but SpaceX in the last uh, probably two years has been like the fastest riser on that list of like, man, if I could work anywhere, I'd love to work at SpaceX, right? And I do think that the tech companies who are, who are in, even in this economy, they are in a battle for talent pay attention to this. And so I think there's a bunch of intangible benefits to companies talking about the things they're doing here, not the least of which uh, sort of employee recruiting brand benefits as well. That's, that's a great uh, insight there, Sean. I think especially, you know, your firsthand experience with some of the, uh, you know, world-class students at CMU gives you an interesting perspective on that. And then also from the companies, right? You want to be positioned you know, tilting forward or leaning into where things are headed as opposed to where they've been. Uh, so very cool. And along those lines, Sean, if you'd like to share some thoughts, I know that last year you had a big in-person event at Carnegie Mellon, yeah. sort of the corporate startup lab live, and yeah. you've got one coming up next month, I think, right? That you'll be That's doing right. virtually. No, we're going to do it virtually. It's November 4th through the 12th. You, you were gracious enough to come and, and help us out last year and, and you're coming back again, which I really appreciate, Bob. And one thing that may be particularly interesting to this audience is we have uh, all the digital all-stars for all the Cloud Wars digital all-stars doing a Cloud Wars Live together. So last year, if you were subscribed to Cloud Wars, you would have heard a conversation between myself, Bob and Tony Upoff, um, which was just a, a ton of fun. Um, but this year, 
uh, because it's virtual, I mean, there's a bunch of downsides to these conferences being virtual instead of in person, but because it's digital, it's, we have this opportunity to get all of them together for, for a conversation for an hour, which, which should be a lot of fun. We also have speakers like Seth Godin, who's a, a well-known marketing author. We've got um, John Santelli, who's the CIO, CIO of all of United Healthcare Group. Bob, you're actually gonna, gonna interview John for us. Um, so a bunch of different conversations, Steve Blank and Alexander Osterwalder, who Alexander created the business model canvas. I'm gonna do a fireside chat with those two. So it should be a good, a, a really great event. It's free. So if you just go to corporatestartuplab.com and click on the 2020 forum, you'll see a link to, to register for free and you can join over the internet wherever you are. Corporatestartuplab.com. That's right. Sean, and uh, how do event organizers like you, how do you deal in the virtual world with swag? I mean, where am I, am I gonna get a coffee cup or a backpack? Not a backpack, but but we are doing uh, swag. What we'll do is we're actually gonna ship a little bit of swag to everybody's house. Um, one of the fun pieces of swag that we're doing is um, because I think the thing that's missing, so there's a bunch of good things on these virtual events, but I think the thing that you miss on the virtual events is the serendipitous like hallway conversation. You know, I always feel like when you do an event and and obviously Bob, with your history, like you, you've done a lot more of these than I have, but I always feel like there's there's this magical thing that happens, which is interesting conversation on the platform. But then where it gets really interesting is what happens at the coffee bar or at the evening reception after that that content and that content almost becomes like the the um the the griddle for the conversation between the attendees right it's like a, a jumping off point for people to have interesting conversations that's really hard to replicate in an online event but we're using this platform called run the world which allows us to do these sort of like virtual kind of networking conversation uh -huh. times as well. And so Friday night of the, between the first and the second week, we're going to do like a virtual happy hour uh, for everybody on that platform. So the idea is that people can, can log in and with a, with a mocktail or a cocktail, whatever they prefer, uh, have a little bit of, of conversation. So we're going to be shipping uh, like little CSL rocks glasses to all of the attendees to, to try to encourage them to come to that Friday night conversation to bring some of this magic that happens in in-person events back to these to these online events. Well, Sean, that sounds great. I mean, the event itself is going to be world-class. You always do great, great things there. And now with some of these extra wrinkles that, uh, you know, are thrown in as we learn more about how to optimize virtual events to give those personal interactions that you talked about, that's terrific. And that's uh, corporatestartuplab.com. Sean, any final word about anything before we wrap up? No, I just, I would just say that like, I mean, hopefully it's, it's a small example of it, but hopefully it's an example that we've been talking about all year, right? The, the goal is not to reopen, it's, it's to reimagine. And so, so when, when myself and, and Lou Masanti, who, who you've known for a long time and helps me with this event, sat down to plan the forum this year, the goal wasn't just to replicate what we'd done in person, but it was kind of to, to reimagine what a, what a forum could look like in this digital way. And so hopefully we'll We'll have done that and, and you know, I've just been saying this for a while now, but my encouragement to all of your audiences in the businesses that you're in, I just hope you guys also find opportunities to, to really reimagine your businesses in these challenging times. Great. 
Great. Um, Sean, I have been for the last few years trying to reimagine my golf game, but I still seem stuck on uh, replicating. And uh, so anyway, you and I have to chat about that sometime. But Sean, thanks a million. It's always great to see you. Um, Best of luck over the next few months as you roll into your, your big event. Thanks, Bob. Thanks to all of you folks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope things are going well. We look forward to seeing you next time.